As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome, everybody, to the Beyond Terrestrial Podcast, your home for the strange, the macabre, the conspiratorial, and all-around weird happenings. Recording from the Bell Witch's backyard, I'm your host, Mike Roop, alongside Lee Errett. Today, we are talking simulation theory. Because this is our first podcast, we want to introduce ourselves. I'm Mike. I love Jack and Cokes and long walks on the beach. I entertain everything, even if I don't believe it. Especially the fact that the elite of the world are just merely a bunch of infant blood-drinking reptiles just waiting to fully ensnare the world in a pit of misery. Lee? Hello, everybody. And as Mike said earlier, my name is Lee Eric. I have a hankering for the weird, and it can only be filled by consistent research into strange things our world has to offer. Especially the interdimensional being known as Sasquatch and how his regular reality shifts will eventually break down space and time as we know it. Simulation theory is what we're covering today, Mike. Have we talked about what it actually is? As far as I know now, I'm not a scientist by any stretch of the imagination. Um, yes, you are. You have that vest. I mean, cape. Cape. It says S. Give it some <laughs> respect. Of course it's a cape. Give me, come on, dude. Come on. Vest? What am I? What am I? I um, thought you were Mr. Rogers. No, 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 no. Um... Well, no, obviously, because this is our first episode. For some reason, we Wait, decided to- Wait, it's our de- first? It's our first episode. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right, sorry. And for some reason, we decided to take on the huge, huge subject of <laughs> the simulation theory, the simulation hypothesis. I, I actually absolutely agree with that. I mean, <laughs> earlier this week, we were like, did we really take on the worst theory possible? Like, why did we do this? Yes, yeah. exactly. Couldn't we have talked about Bigfoot or ghosts? <laughs> we should have something? talked about Bigfoot. Um, no, we have to actually back this up with some sort of scientific reference in some sort of way. But l- let me first say, we are not scientists. <clears throat> A simulation theory is the is the theory... Uh, some folks call it uh, simulation hypothesis. It is the idea that um, the universe and the world as we know it is a computer program. So if we were to do an overview for this, it would be like, for example, 
if you were in the early 2000s and playing The Sims when it first came out. It's very similar to that thought process. Exactly. Except we are The Sims. We're The Sims. Yeah. And there's someone out there that uh, um, that is the player. You know? Okay. There's somebody right. out there with like some awesome Windows 98 computer. I'm sure it is Just, Windows 9. No, he sprung for the Windows 2000. He went for 2000, M-E, the one that nobody M-E, had. Yeah. Like Windows <laughs> ME. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, but, um, but yeah, so let's get into it. And what are we covering? I think the big talking points about simulation hypothesis or theory that we're going to be talking about is somewhat about how it, how it, there are examples of potential within our world how it could potentially affect our everyday life and what our ultimate thoughts are about simulation theory or our hypothesis ourselves on it. Okay. Um, when we look at what simulation theory is, Elon Musk puts it the best way. And I heard him several times today cause I've listened to the same YouTube videos about a hundred times. Um, Elon Musk says, when you look at where we were, 40 years ago and we had pong and it was two rectangles and a dot bouncing back and forth across the TV. And now we have simulated video games that are picture accurate, that are hard to distinguish from a picture and a real event or, and a simulated event. It's only a, the only conclusion you can get to is within the next few years we will be at a point where it would be possible to create a reality that is so realistic a simulated reality that's so realistic that we would not be able to to distinguish it from actual reality that is i think one of the first um ways of approaching uh simulation theory that really kind of stuck out to me in my mind um you know, when it comes to virtual reality, which I believe uh, Elon Musk has talked about specifically, um, not sh- not sure exactly, but um, the fact that if we think about virtual reality in the way that the, the the way it is today and where it's come from, which has been leaps and bounds, um, the the point of virtual reality is to be completely fully immersed in a separate reality so have you have you have you done virtual reality i have i mean i had a little virtual reality headset and been to the ones in the mall um you are pretty immersed in there you're you're in there and like um and so it's very very easy i remember the first time that i played uh vr uh i think it was oculus i can't i can't remember exactly the first um the first VR game that I played, but I think the first time that I, that I got in, I mean, I played for forever. I don't even know how long it was. Like I just played and played and played and played and played and played. And I came out of it and, and I was like, the world is completely different to me. And, you know, and I was like, this is going to change reality as we know it is the way i felt at the time oh absolutely and and as as i as i came out i realized that everything around me 
is possibly simulated. Like I don't want to I don't want to try and hammer home the title or anything like that. But the fact that it felt at the time so incredibly real was just insane to me. You know, like I I um I was literally existing in a different dimension it felt like because there was no concept of anything around me. I had I had uh, you know um audio visual input audio visual every everything was completely immersive and i was i was locked in a different world and so i came out the world around me looked differently i remember driving home that night mm-hmm. um i remember driving home that night and everything like the shadows looked really really strange to me when i reached my hand out my hand looked really strange everything for some reason looked different to me and and so I was like, this is, this is the real thing. This is the real deal, you know? And, and, uh, but all this is to say that, um, once technology gets to a point where virtual reality is indistinguishable from reality, the possibility of the universe being a simulation goes up exponentially you know what i mean like um obviously it's not at that point now we know that we're in a video game where we we Mm -hmm. know that we're in some sort of simulated reality we can see that the pixels aren't perfect but as technology keeps going you know like we're not going to be able to tell at some point Mm -hmm. and at that point who's to say that we're not living in one of those simulated programs Oh, absolutely. Um, There's another distinction that I like to make personally um, between whether or not we're talking about us actually living in a matrix style where you're living in a program, but you're actually a living being. Mm. This theory revolves around the fact that we're not actually living beings. But if we can create something that is so realistic that us as what we believe to be living beings is able are not able to distinguish between that and what reality is. What's to say the NPCs or the non-playable characters in that reality? What's to say that they aren't experiencing what we are experiencing in our supposed reality? That's huge. Like, I think that's completely possible. And I think that kind of comes to the, the root of this entire specific channel of simulation theory we're talking about as far as, um, uh, virtual reality and, and, and getting inside of a game possibly or something like that. Um, a reality inside of virtual reality is merely, it, it, it's constrained to, um, it's constrained to the confines of, of, uh, that program, right? So anything inside of it, if you were to take, um, if you were to take any sort of character in any sort of video game, that character doesn't know the difference between its reality, say if it was sentient in some sort of way, if it had some sort of bits and lines and code that gave it some sort of individual thought process, which is everything that we're doing with AI. No? And that's exactly what I'm thinking about, though. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, you know, that's what we're kind of getting to with AI. If If, if this character in this video game had some sort of, um, uh, 
free will, free thought process. It's reality though that it lives in, like Tron basically, mm-hmm. is an actual construct of reality to it. Oh, and that's exactly what I'm speaking of. You know what um, I mean? One and, thing that- and, and so it's completely possible. Like I'm totally agreeing with you. Like it's it's completely possible at that point. And then does that because of the mathematics that that surround that, and I'll get into this a little bit later with consciousness. Um, because of the mathematics that surround that, does that create some sort of artificial consciousness? And does that in turn create, you know, uh, something that can think freely? And is it possible that we're living as something like that? Absolutely. Um, Imagine that you're a sim and you're part of somebody else's world. Yeah. But you have no idea that you're part of somebody else's world because right. you are literally You don't know any different. You're that's who you are. Yeah. Um that is what I'm uh, what we are specifically speaking about. Um one thing that I've I've always heard and it, it to me it's really funny but maybe it's not uh, and I'm not trying to offend anybody with this statement. Mm-hmm. But I've heard people say why would God create a universe that and then let bad things happen to them. Right. Well, why in 2000, when I was like 13 playing Sims, would I create a Sim and give them a whole world to live around and then lock one in the basement until it died of hunger? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or create like some sort of disaster that happened or start fires or like do all these things that because you can, you because know, because we can, <laughs> you know, and if you think of it that way, that there is potentially some higher intelligence that created the program that we're yeah. living within, um, they, they're doing things because they can. This is super, some, something super interesting that you bring up at this point, because I think that simulation theory in a, in a big way, and I actually had a, a conversation with a coworker about, about this. And he is, um, uh, a, a very, very active Christian. Like he, um, he's very, very into the church and he does all sorts of program, you know, programs and stuff. That's strange programs. Oh, uh, yeah. anyways, <laughs> like they're programming you, <laughs> but, um, but he Just does saying. all sorts of functions and stuff, uh, with the church and everything. So, and I, and I kind of brought up this, uh, to him and we started kind of going back and forth and he automatically kind of came at me with the attitude of like you're um trying to disprove god in some sort of way and that, w- that was not my intent that's that's not my intent like i'm a very spiritual person i'm not a religious person but i'm a very spiritual person and i believe in the spiritual realm and and so but i'm not a religious person i think i think organized religion was meant for stupid people and i'm sorry i'm not saying that people who are involved with organized religion are stupid in any sort of way or anything it, like that but it's i think said it's in their meant- mission statement where they're hurting they're they're hurting their flock right fathers are taking care of their it's flock pretty, it's pretty demeaning it's mm. it's pretty demeaning yeah. um now whether or not Religion in general is a good idea. Mm-hmm. It's a way to keep people from doing negative things that right. would potentially no, yeah. I mean, like, cause issues overall. Exactly. There's not, it's not like it's all bad in any sort of way. Like I feel like the worst of, uh, you know, I think I I think that there's 
levels to it. You know, there's there's levels to it. There's the person who goes to church in order to connect with uh, their divine, um, you know, their divine, you know, uh, inspiration. You know, okay. whatever religion that may be. Um, but also there's the there's the people that only go because they feel they have to, you know, to in order to fit in, you know, or, or in order to uh, socialize with people and stuff like that. And like, if I'm gone, and I'm looking down. I'm like, you're just a bunch of idiots. That's not what this is for. For one, it's not what the church is for, you know, mm-hmm. but outside of all that, I don't want to get into a religious thing, but um but I started talking with you, you know, with with my coworker, and 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 he kind of was. He automatically thought that maybe that I was coming at it from a way of like trying to disprove religion in some sort of way. And I'm like, listen, man, like that's not at all what I'm trying to do. And and you know, um, if anything, this might bridge the gap between science between and religion. science and religion. Because absolutely, that's because where I'm this, at with it. This is a way to possibly say um, on a scientific level or on a mathematical level, things like um, maybe reincarnation, but resurrection, um, you know, eternal life. These are all possible in something like simulation theory because all it is is the program. It's codes. What if you have to reboot the code? You're resurrected. Absolutely. You know? in eternal life but that's very very scary for most traditional religious people to think about because it goes it goes against you know um exactly what people might think of and it's like that's what's really hard about you you know trying to speak with people about stuff like this is is like like i'm not trying i'm not trying to bring down religion i'm not trying to disprove spirituality i'm not trying to do anything like that but you know it's like this could be something that even makes sense not even saying this is actually happening because i don't know you know i don't know Mm -hmm. that simulation theory is exactly what you know it's not the answer to everything but um you know it makes sense in a lot of ways you know Mm -hmm. i mean think about the perfect the perfect construct of the universe in the world. The only reason that the universe and everything around us came into existence is because of some sort of tiny error. If we want to go back to the Big Bang, we're going to get scientific about things, right? Mm-hmm. The only real, the only reason that universe, the universe came to be, is because of tiny little errors. Is the way we see it now. Absolutely. Tiny little things that created a universe that isn't made up of only photons, you know, and it created life, you know, Mm -hmm. and everything is by accident. Right. According to current science. Right. Right. Which is seems is always seemed crazy to me. That's always seemed crazy to me, you know, um, which is why I don't automatically, um, like I don't automatically write off some sort of higher power or some sort of higher intelligence of some kind, because that seems too perfect to me. You know what I mean? Like it, the, the most tiny little error caused 
this universe and everything we see around us. If not, you know, we would just be a perfectly magnetized, you know, state of something out there. I don't, I don't know. We'd just be a bunch of I, I photons think the bang, out in the Big world. Bang, we were nothing. It, like there was nothing before the Big Bang until the Big Bang occurred. Um, and that goes into, have you ever booted up a computer? Right. I'm not, once again, we're not trying to negate religion. And in, in fact, as Mike put it, if we're trying to do anything, we're thinking this actually bridges that gap. This creates a way for science and religion to coincide, to coincide and get along. Yeah. Um, whereas current science basically says, no, everything religious, that can't be true. What is a more perfect entity? than something with simulation theory of a programmer. Absolutely. That is it's, a perfect higher being. Someone mm-hmm. who specifically created the universe that you see around you. Mm-hmm. That and is exactly the what universe God as he sees is. Fit. I wrote a song called Our Ancient Programmer that I'm not going to plug any of that stuff, but like um, I, I wrote a song, you know, it doesn't have any lyrics or anything like that, but it's called our ancient programmer and it's basically God, you know, mm-hmm. God is our ancient programmer. If you think about it in some sort of in, in that capacity, because literally if God had an image, you know, of what he wanted the universe and mankind to be, he just put it into place. He just wrote the code. If you want to say it that way. And everything became you know, what it is today because of that. You know, he wrote maybe like a basic fundamental algorithms or basic fundamental uh, properties. Mm -hmm. And emerging from that became reality as we see it today, Mm -hmm. you know. So it it absolutely does bridge that potential gap that there is. Um, When you look at what the potential is for our exponential growth of technology as it is. If we're saying that we will eventually get to that point, who's to say it already hasn't happened? Right, exactly. And if it already has happened, doesn't it make, at least in my eyes, once again, I'm not a scientist and I'm also not a priest. Um, I don't know everything, but doesn't it make more sense that it, that, there is a higher power, but that higher power is still science bound by science. The best way that I can put it is actually from Iron Man or from Robert Downey Jr. playing Iron Man in mm-hmm. one of the movies in the Marvel Universe where he says, magic is just science that I haven't figured out yet. Yeah, yeah. What is religion? It's based around what is seemingly magic. Right. What if that's just science that we haven't figured out yet? Right. Yeah. And that's kind of what science is, is just trying to explain something, the unexplainable and religion and spirituality is the, is currently the unexplainable. Absolutely. So I, I think all scientists would love to find the, you know, a, a definitive reason, a definitive existence of God. Mm-hmm. Or some sort of deity or some sort of, um, you know, creator of some kind. Mm-hmm. They can't right now, you know. They can't. 
And, and unfortunately, if we are living in a simulation, they may never be able to find out definitively right. that we're living in a simulation. Right. Because our programming won't let us see it. Right. Exactly. We, we have the bounds. We mm-hmm. have the bounds, which is we see as our universe and we're too stupid to realize that our universe is probably finite in some sort of way. Mm-hmm. We can't see those boundaries, so we automatically think it's infinite. But I think... It might be finite in some sort of way. You know, Mm -hmm. it might be finite. Uh, I don't know exactly to what extent that is. Um, And I'm not going to try and, I'm not going to try and explain that. But it's, it's, it's interesting that, you know, this is a divisive topic among uh, religious people. I, Mm -hmm. I just, but I think it's, it's more along the lines of, um, of it being like its own religion, you know, mm-hmm. like to where like one religion thinks that the other religion is wrong oh, mm-hmm. along those lines, you know? Mm-hmm. So. so let's move away from the religion aspect. One thing that I thought about when I was doing all of my research um, and really starting the early portions of this is what if, so our podcast is about, different weird things Mm -hmm. our podcast is about aliens bigfoot yeah mothman all of this stuff right what if the simulation theory is literally a a bridge between all of those different things yeah that's super interesting because i think um through simulation theory you could really explain multiple dimensions and things like that, that a lot of people bring up when it comes to the paranormal and things like that. Um, They think about it in possibly multiple dimensions, the paranormal dimension, for example, Mm -hmm. or, you know, where ghosts may live or, or whatever the case may be. Um, You know, multiple dimensions and parallel dimensions and things like this make perfect sense. Mm-hmm. in simulation theory as well no they absolutely do because it's a simultaneously running program mm-hmm. it's as simple as on that. the same system on the same system that can potentially cross wires occasionally exactly you know and 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 nowadays we're really getting into quantum computing do you know much about quantum computing uh, i've heard a little bit about it but i'm not enough to know enough but it's super interesting, super interesting. I think there's only a couple in the world as of right now, which is 2018, that are even fully functional. I don't even know if they are fully functional at this point. Well, from what I understand is as programmers, as we know it, we're not capable of um, building programs that can run on quantum computing. Um, right. And, and, and I think that comes down to the basic... Um, basic binary code like ones and zeros because on a quantum level if you think about it on a quantum level the one or the zero could be simultaneously a one or a zero Mm -hmm. does that make sense it's very strange it's very strange but that is my kind of understanding of it and i might be wrong so uh if i am too bad Um, have we mentioned that we're not programmers either I'm not a programmer. Um, <laughs> I don't know uh, exactly how that works, but but essentially, uh, 
If you think about quantum computing, to my understanding, on a uh, simulation level, um, this is the only way to make a reality possible, for one. Because you would need to have, in the case of evolution, you would need to have multiple ways and multiple paths mm -hmm. of evolution. That could be accidentally dropped in at different right. states. So, yeah. like... A human could evolve differently from a giraffe. I thought we were cousins. We are humans and giraffes. Yeah, they're at the. Uh, just in case you all didn't know, we evolved from giraffes. Um, <laughs> but but um, um, you know, in order to make that possible whatever computer or whatever system you're running on would need to have some sort of quantum quantum computing capabilities to where it could do multiple computing in the same stream i guess i don't know if that's the right way to say it but able to process multiple possibilities all at the same time the, and then the, select one of those possibilities right well in the in the in the, in the process in in the Quantum principle, two things can be happening simultaneously at the same time that are connected, mm -hmm. you know, um, and so I'm not a quantum, you know, uh, physicist or, you know, I don't know any of that stuff. We're not scientists. Mike has a cape, but we're not scientists. I have a cape. It has an S on it. Um, but, uh, but so that, you know, it's just, that. it's, 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 it, you know, it just in the idea, if, if you think about it like this with, with quantum entanglement two um, two things in separate places in space will react exactly the same, even over great distances will react exactly the same with absolutely zero latency due to quantum entanglement. This has been measured. It happens. This is the way it is. Like quantum physics is a thing. Two things can be simultaneously the same at once. You well, know? And then if you talk in quantum computing and you say two different things can happen at the same time with quantum computing, does that mean that it is potential that it absolutely explains multiple dimensions? Because you exactly. can have two identical things or semi-identical things happening at the, at same, the time. same time within this quantum computer exactly. that's thinking about all of these different things all at once and then yes. processing yeah. it and separating those two streams of consciousness, essentially. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, what if it is only mostly good at it? What if it fails occasionally? Well, you and have those, your, your glitches in the matrix. You have your you glitches know. in the matrix. You yeah. have your Mandela effects. You exactly. have yeah. your Bigfoots that appear out of nowhere, and then you can't find any bones for mm -hmm. many, many years. Yeah. Um, it just kind of gives an explanation and I'm sorry to drop this like right on our very first episode, but that's exactly what yeah, we're starting it off strong. You know, we're starting yeah. off strong. This is what we're about. You know, I think, I think when it all comes down to it, you know, uh, I think what we're here to do is talk about things like this that are like big ideas, mm -hmm. you know, not only big ideas. The first time, the first time, <laughs> the first time me and you ever even hung out, you guys moved out here to Tennessee and uh, the first time we even hung out, we're like, hey, let's go about 20 miles north of us is um, Hopkinsville, Kentucky, Hopkinsville, Kentucky, Kelly, Kentucky, you know, 
home uh, of the Kelly Hopkinsville goblin case. Yeah. If you, you haven't know, heard about that, you will at some point in our near future. You absolutely will. Um, but it, it, it's, a, it's a very famous um, alien uh, contact uh, uh, story that has spawned uh, the inspiration, I believe, behind uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind as well as E.T., Yes, it's part of the inspiration for both of those, especially the Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Also, if you think about it, and obviously I don't have any confirmation on this, but think about uh, signs. Yeah, it's exactly like the signs Everything about that particular movie and this particular incident is real close. Yeah. Real close. It very much reminds me of signs. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's just kind of what we do. We kind mm-hmm. of just ask these type of questions. So, uh, so you know, we figured we talk about it as it is. Yeah. Um, we might as well talk about it and record that talk and hope other people like it too. Right, right. One thing that I wanted to bring up specifically, and I took this straight from the 2000, uh, 2016 Isaac Asimov Memorial Debate of uh, Is the Universe a Simulation?, it included a panel of uh, theoretical physicists, uh, philosophers, cosmologists, and the great Neil deGrasse Tyson. James Gady's a theoretical physicist um, and a professor, I think, at the University of Maryland. Um, but something really interesting, and this is a guy that doesn't necessarily believe in simulation theory. He quote He's quoted to... Th- uh, thinking that the possibility of us living in a simulation is only 1%. But he had found error correction codes in the fundamental equations of nature in his research in string theory. Just to give an example to our listeners, an error correction code, if you didn't already know, is kind of like a patch. So, for example, you're yeah. playing your favorite video game and at one point, you're able to cheat and get all the monies. Um, and now they drop down a patch and you can't cheat and get all those monies anymore. Um, that is kind of the ass- essentially what an error correction code is. Right, right. It, it's, um, it sends... I mean, there's multiple ways of they're doing it. We don't need to get into the details of how it happens. But essentially, it looks for errors in the transfer of data. And when it finds an error... Um, through an error, you know, detection, uh, through error detection, it corrects it with an error correction. And um, there's multiple ways that it does it, but yes, it, it, it searches for, um, it searches for errors and it corrects it as it's, as it's necessary. And, um, you know, he was completely blown away by this, you know, just this is, you know, he found essentially binary code in nature, which is incredible. Well, it's interesting that he still believes that it's only a 1% that there is, that simulation theory is realistic. Right. Um, My opinion on that is the fact that he is also, he, he was at, he was, my opinion is that he's thinking to himself, but he had found where other places in nature where this might possibly be of use, and that is in the areas of evolution and genetics. So, uh, for example, in evolution, as things are evolving, things go wrong, 
nature kind of corrects itself in order to uh, keep evolving in a way that's suitable for nature, you know, suitable mm-hmm. for the species. Well, it's just as like well survival as with genetics. of the fittest. Exactly. It's survival so. of the fittest. You know, it's, it's you know, however you want to uh, say that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, uh, that's, you know, so I think that's kind of where it comes from. And I think that maybe he doesn't want to seem like a kook, too. You know? mm-hmm. Well, and there's a huge pressure on the scientific community to not go off onto these fringe topics. Right. This is a crazy topic, and it's and, in, and it's relatively new, mm-hmm. I would say, in the scientific world. Yeah. Um. The when I heard about it, or when I um, the earliest known thing that I heard about it was from a physicist, and I don't have the source because I'm not Mike. I didn't write it down. Um. <laughs> but it was released in about 2012. Was when the first theory came out about it being a potential possibility. And since then it's gained major popularity from um, different major names like Neil deGrasse Tyson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's Elon a big Musk. proponent for it. Yeah. He's, both of these people are big proponents for it. Um, or at least entertain the idea. I or would at say. least in, no, Elon Musk, honestly, like I don't believe that he doesn't believe. Mm-hmm. I um, can't wait to talk about him in AI. You know? Yeah. 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 He's he's an exciting topic. Um, yeah. At the same time, a little bit crazy, but I like it. <laughs> that's what's great about him. You know that's what I mean? What, that's what makes him great. That's yeah. why he's a great person. Every progressive person in the world is extreme for their time, is crazy for their time. Back in the day, they used to call it eccentric. Oh, it's eccentric. Oh, the like old eccentric it. man like up it. in the castle. Yeah. You know? Leonardo da Vinci. Yeah eccentric eccentric yeah well in my opinion the word eccentric is kind of a write-off it's like saying you think so oh they might be a little bit crazy but they are smart people so you got to try to sift through their their crazy yeah maybe um yeah. I, but, I never thought about it that way but yeah i could see that yeah. but that being said the eccentric people are usually the ones that are finding the craziest things Right. They're doing the craziest thing nikola tesla oh like, <laughs> nikola tesla let's not even get started on that uh, Oh, we yeah, might have really to do a, We might have to do a podcast where one of us plays Nikola Tesla and one of us plays <laughs> Thomas Edison, and we'll just <laughs> box. Yeah. yeah, we'll just have a boxing match. We'll just throw each other around the room. And be like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I feel like I'm going to lose this. You're much larger than me. <laughs> Not a bad way, but <laughs> um, no. But it, it is it is huge. These these great thinkers are always discounted because they're great thinkers. Um. It is we are just now coming into a world where those great thinkers seem to be able to find ways to get an up on the next person. If you look at Elon Musk and his uh, Tesla industries, I mean, come on. The, yeah. Th- if if anybody is taking us into the future the as car. of what I see, the yeah. car, yes. Yeah. Um, for vehicle technology, it's Elon Musk. Yeah. When everything he's doing, everything he's doing is absolutely amazing. You know, like with with SpaceX and all that, which I, you know, I think that flight was a a total fake. Have you seen those pictures? It probably was. With the car? <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> it's horrible. But other than that, um, he has a great idea, you know, and he wants to make it work. And he, he has a, a team of people around him that can make it work. Mm-hmm. And I think that we need people like that in the world. And it's easy for him. You know, let's be honest. It's easy for him because he's mm-hmm. filthy, filthy rich. He has a lot of money. 
Yeah. I didn't know. He's got a... I think so. He's got a few bucks. Okay. Anyways. Right. I believe um, you. As far as I know, at least if he doesn't have a few bucks, then he knows some people who have some money. I don't know. But it's easy for him because, you know, he'd be like, I got this great idea. Traffic in LA is terrible. So I'm going to build a bunch of tunnels underneath the city and we're going to travel by tunnel. Mm-hmm. And he's like, here's $3 billion, make it happen. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, and oh, earthquake, yeah, I, I, the big, the, the famous uh, Joe Rogan podcast of mm-hmm. his, he was talking where he smokes weed and everybody freaks out like, Jesus Christ, get over it. You know what I mean? It's even legal in California. Yeah. But um, like, um, he talks about the tunnels that he's wanting to build underneath Los Angeles and everybody who's, is worried about earthquakes. You know, and um, he essentially created it, from the way I understood it, almost like snakeskin in a way, to where everything mm-hmm. is kind of like layered mm-hmm. over top of itself, so it kind of moves. It kind of moves okay. with the earth a little bit. So there's, a, so there's multiple layers. It's not just, just one solid concrete Yeah, thing. so it's not just going to cave in sense. on a bunch of people while yeah, they're traveling. Total sense. Yeah, it just kind of moves. As the system it moves, moves, it's going to... Yeah, the cars may want to park for a few minutes, but it'll make it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's it's amazing. I think we we think we need more people like that. And oh, absolutely. We have digressed so far right now. Yeah, that's fine. You know what I mean. I've showed my fanboy for Elon Musk. It well, was weird. We should all be fanboys. Fanboys. I don't know what fanboys are. Uh, fanboys to Elon Musk. You know what I mean. He deserves it because uh, he's the he's the man. So, okay. Yeah, yeah, I believe. I agree. I yeah. agree. All right. So, enough of all that. Um, what What are your personal thoughts on simulation theory? Do you think Do you think it's legitimate? Do you think it's possible? What exactly do you think about simulation theory? I think that if simulation theory is not an accurate depiction of the world around us and actually what's going on then it will either become a reality because of us in the next hundred years and that's really given it a lot of time that i don't think is necessary um i believe simulation theory is something that is a fact and will be a fact whether or not we are in a simulation or not, I still don't know, but I do think it makes absolutely way more sense than magic underwear and um, being able to uh, create life with a snap of a finger. If that's the case, I think it's more of a button click than a snap of a finger. I agree with you on multiple points. Um I think when I think of technology and I think of how technology has uh, progressed, even since we've been alive, which is the smallest fraction of even technology itself. You know what I mean? Like go back to, I mean, technology is kind of a relative term and all, but, um, you know, go back to, uh, the Industrial Revolution and how far we've come from the Industrial Revolution and how many years that's been in relation to when the pyramids were built and 
um, when the first little bits of bacteria that created mankind. That's a pretty small amount. And how fast that's gone. No, absolutely. When you it's, talk in terms of evolution it's speaking. It's exponentially speeding up. Mm-hmm. And if it keeps going at this rate, it's be, it's going to come to a level where it's going to absolutely take over the world. That's my biggest fear with artificial intelligence. And I didn't, I didn't really get into that much. We'll save that for another episode. But it absolutely will take over the world at some point in time. And we will be living on the thread of artificial intelligence and technology. Now, at that point, it will be so further evolved. Technology is its own evolutionary path mm-hmm. as well, you know, to where the problem we will is be technology s- evolves faster than we do. Exactly. And that's the big problem with AI. But um, I think it'll get to a point where we will be able to have technology where it will be indistinguishable from reality. We will have the computing capacity and the computing ability to. Um, create worlds and universes that are separate from our own. And once that happens, it is absolutely ridiculous to think that that hasn't already happened before. Mm-hmm. I agree. And to that point, uh, I say it's completely possible and uh, it's something I think about on a daily basis. So. That's it. I concur. Um, Anyways, guys, this has been episode number one of the Beyond Terrestrial podcast. We are going to be recording more and more of these uh, on all different subjects. Uh, We talked about simulation theory today. We're going to be talking about aliens. We're going to be talking about Bigfoot. We're going to be talking about ghosts. We're going to be talking about conspiracies. We're going to be talking about everything. If it's weird, we're going to talk about it. Going to talk about it. What do you think, Lee? Oh, I absolutely agree. We are going to talk about anything that we can. Um, However, my one disagreement is his name's not Bigfoot. His name is Sasquatch. You're right. You're right. I apologize. That That is, you know, Bigfoot is one guy. Sasquatch is the species, and you cannot I can't judge a up. species by one by one by individual. One individual. <laughs> Bigfoot is one individual <laughs> in the Sasquatch community, and let's keep that straight. Anyways, uh, keep it real. We're out of here. Take care. Thanks, guys.